Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, show number 310, Finance Friday Edition, where we interview Jill and talk about what to do with your primary residence after you move out. But now I don't know how if I just keep that going with my investments or I try to kind of cash flow all these renovations as quick as I can and kind of you know, I guess scale back on the investment piece. So I guess how do I balance the retirement accounts, the after, you know, tax brokerage account, 529s, like all these other things we invest in with the real estate piece now. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Mindy Jensen. And with me as always is my real life, actual human being, never going to ask you to IM him about crypto co-host Scott Trench. And with me as always is my spamming we with a new intro, Mindy, every week. But seriously, <laughs> the spammers on these Instagram things are nuts. Please know that me, nor Mindy, nor Bigger Pockets Money, uh, Instagrams, none of those accounts will actually reach out to you and then ask you for Bitcoin or any other types of money or whatever from that. Please just report the fake accounts. Um if, if one of them happens to try to go after you. Yep. And feel free to send me a note or post a copy of it in Facebook so that in the Facebook group so that we can all report them and get that mess off of our sites. Uh, thank you, because I hate them. Scott and I are here to make financial independence less scary, less just for somebody else. To introduce you to every money story, because we truly truly believe that financial freedom is attainable for everyone, no matter when or where you're starting. That's right. Whether you want to retire early and travel the world, go on to make big time investments in assets like real estate, start your own business or sell to make the decision between selling and renting your home. We'll help you reach your financial goals and get money out of the way so you can launch yourself towards those dreams. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval, and terms of each credit card issuer apply. Deciding how to invest your capital can be extremely challenging, especially when the market is constantly changing. That's why it's never been more important to partner with a company that has a great track record. The BAM Capital executive team has successfully navigated through the Great Recession, COVID-19, and the current interest rate environment while delivering maximized returns to their partners. BAM Capital is a trusted multifamily syndicator with over $1.3 billion in transactions, delivering a historical average of over 35% IRR with an average hold period of three and a half years. BAM Capital has consistently paid preferred return distributions for over 50 consecutive months, has not lost limited partners capital, and has not called capital past the subscription amount. BAM Capital's disciplined investment strategy is targeting undermanaged institutional quality trophy assets throughout the U.S. heartland for accredited investors who are looking for generational wealth building or monthly income opportunities. Their offerings target cash flow stability, capital preservation, long-term appreciation, and accelerated tax benefits. Join BAM Capital's over 1,200 investors across 44 states and get started today at BAMCapital.com. Again, that's BAMCapital.com. 
It's Military Appreciation Month, so I'd like to personally thank all our past guests who have served and all our listeners who are serving, deployed, veterans, or in the reserves. But I'm not the only one showing appreciation. Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate their members who go above and beyond with exclusive rates, discounts, and tools. This month, join Navy Federal and get $50 when you open a credit card. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to see their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. With 24-7 U.S.-based member service and resources for veterans transitioning to civilian life, Navy Federal is here to help you reach your goals. Head to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender. Disclaimer, must join an open membership savings account between May 1st and May 31st. Annual percentage yield 0.25% for membership savings account. $5 minimum balance to open, maintain membership savings account, and to obtain bonus. Visit NavyFederal.org for more terms and conditions. Scott, I am super excited to talk to Jill today. She makes a good income. She has her expenses fairly under wraps. She is buying a second home and considering turning her first home into a short-term Airbnb. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's good discussion, and it's a situation that probably a lot of people are 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 going through. She has a good problem. She has a lot of equity in her primary residence, and she needs to figure out how best to deploy that, whether it's by keeping it as a rental and generating income or redeploying it. I really like that you threw that out there, Scott, and gave her something to think about. Hey, it seems like a no brainer, but maybe you could take this equity and this money that you have tied up in this house and do something else with it. Maybe you could redeploy it in a way that would generate even more income. I really like the way that you gave her things to think about. Uh, Before we bring in Jill, let's note that the contents of this podcast are informational in nature and are not legal or tax advice, and neither Scott nor I nor Bigger Pockets is engaged in the provision of legal, tax, or any other advice. You should seek your own advice from professional advisors, including lawyers and accountants, regarding the legal, tax, and financial implications of any financial decision you contemplate. Jill and Joe are preparing to move to a new house that they plan to live in flip while turning their old home into a short or midterm rental. Debt is not Jill's friend. So there's a bit of anxiety surrounding this move. And even though she realizes that taking on this low interest debt can help her family realize their long-term goals, it's still weighing on her just a little bit. Joe is newly self-employed, so they're still navigating the fluctuating income while he stabilizes his new business. Jill, welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. Thank you. So excited to be here and actually talk to you guys live. I'm super excited to have you. I am going to say that uh, Jill lives in a medium cost of living area and uh, in the Midwest. So that gives you a framework for where these finances and this information is coming from. Um, Let's jump into your numbers. What do you make and where does it go? So I make 250 W-2 income. Um, That's kind of straight... I would say, you know, biweekly income, but then I do get a fluctuating bonus that can be anywhere from 50000 up to 100000 depending on what's going on. Um, and then my husband has a new business that he started. He started it before COVID, but we had to kind of put it on hold with COVID. Um, and we also were living abroad. So this is his 2022 is kind of his first year fully doing this. So it's between a thousand per month and five thousand a month, um, and I think there will. Do you make you make two fifty k base salary plus? Um, I make about two hundred, 
Yeah, 200 base and then plus bonus, which averages about 50K. Okay. Okay, got it. And then my husband's around 1,000 to 5,000, I would say, per month. And I think conservatively will profit about 30,000 this year. Great. And this is all pre-tax. Yep. Awesome. So post, post-tax, we can plan on 175 to 200 maybe in post-tax dollars. Yeah. So I, I guess monthly, I get about $10,000 a month. Um, and I take everything as much as I can out of my paycheck. So I'm a very automated person. So I take my 401k. I actually do my auto and um, home insurance through work because I have a group plan and it's discounted. I do a flexible spending account for dependent care. All of that is taken out of my paycheck before you know I actually get the money. So monthly, I have about 10000 to work with. Okay, I want to pause here and praise you for that because that's awesome. You never see that money. When you take it out of your paycheck and you put it someplace else, that's money that you can't spend. I'm saying spend in air quotes for those who are just listening and not watching on YouTube. You can watch on YouTube if you want to see all these fun faces that I make all the time we record. But this is money that you're not spending because you're not seeing it. So it's not there. And I think that's really, really cool when you can do that. I don't know that I have that option to pay my insurance, but there are things that I have pulled out of my paycheck ahead of time. And there are things you can have pulled out of your paycheck. If this is an option for you, if your expenses are a a problem, if your spending is your big issue that you're trying to tackle, see what you can pull out of your paycheck before you have to spend it, because that's a check you're not writing. I'm so old, I write checks. That's a check you're not writing to pay the bill, but that's also like money that's not available for you to spend. So it's like it never hits your bank account and maybe goes someplace else before it gets to where it needs to go. So I yeah, love and there's that a idea. huge discount if you do payroll deduction. So I actually like talked to the insurance to switch it at one point, and it might it would go up a thousand dollars or something. So they really like that if it's through a payroll deduction, they give you a huge discount. So if wow. your company offers it, try to go for it because it's also like a group plan. So they give you lots of discounts. That is an awesome tip. We were just saying we learn something every show and. That is awesome. Okay, Scott, now we've got to talk after the show. Uh, maybe HR. Anyway. <laughs> okay, let's look at- Well, let's go through expenses next and say, wh- wh- where's all that money going? Where, where, how much are you spending per month and where is it going? So I have, a, so right now we, we did make an offer on another house, but I won't talk about that yet. So our current house that we live in, um, we have a mortgage with the mortgage and taxes, it's $1,690. Um, Childcare is $1,200. Um, I give a decent amount of donations to different organizations per month. So that's about 300 gas and car maintenance is 150, um, medicals, 350. Um, I have an HSA, so a high de- I'm a big fan of the high deductible plan. So I try to cash flow anything we have going on with doctor's appointments or prescriptions and then just save the H- HSA. Um, clothes, kind of kids' activities, personal care, pets are about 300 per month. Um, I know this is bad, but groceries and eating out is about 2000 total per month for a family of four. Um, all the home stuff, we do have someone who cleans our house, uh, the lawn, garbage pickup, recycling, house items is about 600 a month. Um, then we have a few other bills, you know, cell phones, uh, streaming, which is 300. 
Um, I'm down to one student loan, which is 160 per month, and we're only keeping that just in case Biden forgives loans. We will try to take advantage of that, but it's low interest. Um, travel is 400 per month. And then I do have a few investments that I put 200 into a 529 for my girls, and then another um, about 1000 in a brokerage, after-tax brokerage account. Awesome. And so where are your um, assets and, and liabilities? Where, how much cash do you have and what do, what, uh, what do you invest in? So I have a 401k through work, which is $440,000. Um, most of it's pre-taxed. Uh, recently, through listening to your show, I switched to Roth. So about 10% of it is Roth now. Um, I also have a Roth IRA that's 40000 a rollover IRA that's another $40,000. Um, I just set up a SEP IRA because of my husband's self-employment. So we only have $650 in there, but we just started it last month. Um, I have an HSA that has $10,000 in it, um, $529 plans for both my girls that total about $15,000 total. Um, After tax brokerage is $33,000. And then I have about 60000 in cash, um, and that's going to go towards a down payment on a house. Um, and then our current house is mortgage is $200,000. Uh, we have about two fifty dollars equity into it, and um, we just refinanced our mortgage last year for 15-year mortgage, and it's 1.875 interest, which is kind of unbelievable <laughs> to me. Awesome. And then we have two cars that are paid off. Great. So what, what is your total net worth here? I didn't total it up. <laughs> so <laughs> math is not my okay, strong so we got, suit. We got, <laughs> Around, let's do some quick yeah. math. We've got what? 500, 520, 550-ish in retirement accounts. We've got um, 565 retirement accounts and 529 plans. We've got 33K after tax, $60,000 in cash, and 250 in home equity. So what is that? About a little under a million dollars in net worth. I have 839. And my used cars are apparently very valuable these days. So maybe that gets me up higher. Great. Awesome. Okay. So what's the best way we can help you today? What are your goals? So, um, I mean, we have had a lot of debt. So graduating, you know, my husband and I had between the two of us probably about 90000 in student loan debt. So we've been plagued with student loan debt for a very long time. Um, and we finally got to the point um, that we got completely pretty much out of debt. Um, and we can really take any bonuses I get and my husband's income and just use that towards investments. Um We've been wanting to get into real estate for a very long time, but because of the debt, I was never really comfortable doing this. So um, my last bonus that I got, I paid off all of my student loans, most of my husband's, um, and we also had a a construction loan on this house um, that we had to make our HVAC. Well, we didn't have an HVAC, so we had to put one in. We had to make our house a bit more energy efficient, so I paid that off as well. So I finally got to the point I'm comfortable buying a second house. Um, and we want to convert this house into an Airbnb. We live about a mile and a half from a very, very popular college football stadium, which is in walking distance. So people during those six home games, it's about $1,000 a night on average that people get for their houses. Wow. So even if we just rent for the tailgating for the home games, plus like graduation and some of the big events, um, we think we could you know, profit about $30,000 on this house. Um, 
so, and our house right now is not in the best. We bought it before we had kids, so we didn't think about neighborhoods, sidewalks, busy roads. So it's not in the greatest place for us. Um, we want to be in a neighborhood. So, um, but I've been really kind of, it's really cheap here. We live right outside of like the very popular town. So our taxes are lower. Um, so I've been really reluctant to buy another house. Um, but I think now with my debt situation, I'm comfortable. So we, we found a great house, one that needs a lot of work, but the bones are really good. Um, and I actually got advice from one of your recent shows about it's a house that had no pictures online, just the front of the house. And we went to look at it and it's dated, but the bones are really good. It's all like cosmetic work that needs to be done. Um, and nobody was looking at the house. It was horribly marketed. So we made kind of a lowball offer on it and they took it. So now we have the second house. So we think we've got a really good value in it. We can renovate it, um, you know, live in it, which it has a neighborhood. And I think it's the right place for us to be. Um, and then try to really make profit out of the Airbnb on this house. But it's still really scary <laughs> to me to, to go there. But I, I still think all the planning and all the numbers work. We just kind of have to, you know, go for it. So I guess, yeah, I just need advice on how to get started and how to make the most out of, of going in this direction. Jump in with both feet and don't look back. No, <laughs> that's awful advice. Um, what you're the video you're referring to is my leftovers video where you where I talk about in this market nothing is is sitting around except every once in a while something is sitting around and it could be a disaster or it could back up to train tracks or it could be overlooked and those are the properties that you look at. I just today closed on a property for a client that was a leftover that is going to be gorgeous in about 15 hours of elbow grease. And it's that's probably what you're going to be in too, maybe a little bit more than 15 hours of elbow grease. But I think I a love a good more. live and flip. But our inspection was yesterday. The guy couldn't believe that everything works, like appliances that were 50 years old still work. Um, but like the roof is redone. The HVAC is brand new. All the big stuff was done. It's just shag carpets and wallpaper. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. Oh. Well, let's let's take let's take a step back here. Your your current home is going to become the investment Correct. property, right? Yeah. Let's let's start with analyzing that one. What what? So the mortgage is sixteen ninety per month. It was, and she can a great rate. She can rent it out six weekends a year for a thousand dollars a night, mm -hmm. approved as a short term rental stamp. So that, that's twelve grand, right? For for twelve nights, mm -hmm. thousand times twelve. Okay, so so that um that that is a big chunk of your mortgage. Correct. Um, and there's uh, other opportunities. Right it's not just those, but those are the big ones. So, I I don't like jumping in with both feet and not like really running the numbers. But with this property, if you can rent it for a thousand dollars a night, and your mortgage is sixteen fifty a month or sixteen ninety mm -hmm. a month, yeah. That's you're going to rent it for two nights for the weekend mm -hmm. easily, maybe three nights, but probably two night minimum. That is a no brainer to to kind of just look at that and be like, OK, there are other opportunities as well. I will at the very least be able to cover my mortgage on this. But you're going to be able to do way more than just cover your mortgage on this. There are setup costs. I mean, you have to furnish the whole thing. And that's something that I think that a lot of people who are considering short term rentals don't necessarily uh, think about, um, 
and that's going to be Scott. Have you set up a, a short term rental yet? Well, well I, I think we I think we start with you know Jill. Have you now have you analyzed this this prop? What what is your analysis? We we have we probably have more than hey, I can get a thousand bucks on uh, six big weekends. <laughs> what what is the income you think that the property will generate? What are the expenses? Have you run that analysis? So my husband did some analysis. Yeah, he he got on your website. He's run a few numbers. So he thinks that, you know, we can have monthly if we rented it out 1800 a month. Um, if we, you know, did between home games, um, all the big events at this university that's very close to us. Um, and then we've also like dabbled with sabbatical homes. I don't know if you ever heard of this. Okay. How, how much per month? 1800 1800 per month and, in income and short-term rental income. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is after taking out the mortgage, you know, having like extra costs for renovations or fixing up the house. Um, he thinks it can cash flow 1800 And what would be the gross short-term rental income? Before before expenses, uh, I don't know. He ran all the numbers, so I don't have it in front of me. Okay, I'm gonna put in 3,500 as a placeholder there. Uh, assuming you, okay. I'm gonna say, all right, you're assuming you can get 3,500 dollars a month, and that 18 of that will pass through as cash flow per month after your yep. mortgage expenses, after cleaning fees or cleaning maintenance yep. repairs, all that kind of stuff. Probably with, and I'll and I'll, I'll assume for now that we've got conservative allocations there for capex, handyman expenses, mm-hmm. those types of things in there as well. Yep. Okay. You have uh, $250,000 in equity, and you'll be generating about twenty to 25000 in cash flow per year with 1800 per month in cash flow. So that's not bad. Mm-hmm. That, that's a reasonable um, investment opportunity. Let me ask you this. How long have you lived in that property? Uh, we are going on 10 years now. Okay. Would you buy another identical property Would you and do the exact same thing with $250,000 down? I don't know. This house was a difficult house. So it was, um, to get it to this point, we had to do a lot of work on it, I guess. So I don't know. It was kind of, it's on septic. It's well water. (laughs) There is a lot of things that we had to go through first time home buyer education to get it to the point that um, it is today. So it was kind of, I probably wouldn't go for this exact house, but... (laughs) But something similar. Okay, so so we've got so here's why I'm asking this, right? Is because you have two hundred fifty thousand in mm-hmm. equity that you can sell and, and tap into right now, tax free. Yeah, you will lose that advantage mm-hmm. if you move out of the place after two years. So my mm-hmm. bias in general, oh sorry, three years. That's right. I have to live there two of the last five years. Thank you, Mindy, for um, correcting me there. Um, so, so that's my bias is almost is all almost always to have a strong preference towards selling a primary residence rather than mm-hmm. keeping it and reinvesting um, or, or keeping it as a mm-hmm. rental. I think your situation yeah. might be different, but I, and this is where I'm going to have to be, because you have a 1.875 percent mortgage, but you're on a 15 year term. So I wonder mm-hmm. if you replicated this exact same project with another property, if you wouldn't have approximately the same cash flow because your payment will be smaller, but you'll have a higher interest rate, for example, with it. So I think there's like some puts and takes here um, that make this really yeah. interesting from uh, an analysis standpoint, whether to keep an Airbnb or sell. Because you could you could just sell mm-hmm. and then redeploy into an even more ideal Airbnb investment, for example. Um, and you get your tax, you get your yeah. gain out now tax free and get a new basis to start with the new project with. 
Our reason for keeping it is this side of town has continued to develop. So when we bought it, it was farmland. Um, you know, it was ha- people who had been here like for 70 years, kind of like live off the land type neighbors um, who shoot squirrels in the backyard. But we have like definitely the areas developed. So they, they've been really they've built really fancy condos on one side of us that are going for six hundred thousand dollars. They're building like a very nice pub in a historical barn across the street from us. So we keep thinking this side of town is developing more and more. Um, and we really like this town. And um, there's not a ton of properties that you can have the taxes this low in this location um, that, yeah, you have like the kind of the same value out of it that we have here. So we've always wanted to hang on to the property because we actually have a decent amount of property as well. We have about an acre. Um, So we wanted to see how this side of town developed. And I think our equity will keep going up on the house. So Absolutely. What I'm I'm trying to say, though, is you have 250,000 in equity in this property. You've done well. And you believe it sounds like you believe it will be a reasonable investment going forward. Your problem mm-hmm. is, is that in three years from now, if you sell, if you sell the property, you're going to lose, you, like right now you have 250000 in equity that you can harness and sell. It probably isn't all gain, but let's assume it's all gain. If you sell it in three years from now, you're going to pay tax, 25% capital gains tax on that. And that's going to mm. cost you $62,500, right? If mm. you sell this property and then redeploy it into an identical investment property down the block, you're going to get a new mortgage and reset, but you're going to... Ha- harness that gain and have a new basis that you're going to, you're going to take advantage of that, that tax break with it. And so that, mm. that's kind of what I'm, what I'm, what I'm talking about here. And Got that's it. the decision you have to make. And, and from there mm-hmm. we can say, okay, my property is good for Airbnb. We know that we're, we're happy with that. You've got, you've, you've obviously mm-hmm. done the analysis and you've got good, but can you do better or about the same with a nearby property, mm-hmm. for example, right? And I think that's mm-hmm. your challenge that you need to you need to kind of go through here because your strategy might be the right one. It just might be, you know what, if I actually optimize, like I bought this house to optimize for my family um, in our situation, mm-hmm. and it happens to be a good Airbnb. But this one, mm-hmm. a few blocks down the road, is actually even better from an Airbnb perspective with current market values. And for the next 10 years, mm-hmm. I'll be better off with that, make more return, exiting the same strategy, but just taking advantage of my tax break. That's what I'm trying to get at with these questioning with these questions. So you said well water and I don't I don't know how sulfury your well water is, mm-hmm. but when you say well water, I think sulfur water mm-hmm. and I'm wondering how much of an attraction that is going to be as an Airbnb. Um, mm-hmm. is there any plan to bring city water to the property? Not at this moment, but we do okay. have lots of filters on it. <laughs> so it we're, it's, okay. you don't notice it now, but it took us a while to fill, figure out the right combination of filters and softeners I grew to up get on it. Water. So, Do people not yeah, like we, well water? Yeah, we drink it. <laughs> no, it's disgusting. No. Oh. If you don't, if you didn't grow it's up totally on it, and there's different kinds of well water. <laughs> no, you're, you're weird. It's, there's different kinds of well water, Scott. And some of them are like, oh, okay. I didn't even know this was well water. And some of them are like, is there a dead mouse in this water? It's disgusting. <laughs> my mom, ma- my grandma had that kind of water. I never wanted to drink water at her house because it was just so well, I gross. always look forward to having a big glass of water from the, at home. <laughs> parents house you probably have yeah there was something dead in my grandma's well i think 
Anyway, um, yeah. So if you've figured it out, I would just be really, really sensitive to any um, reviews that you're getting about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, maybe have a trusted friend come over and taste that water. But like Scott is saying, you know, you didn't say that this is I, – I just always assumed that it's in the middle of town – when people are talking about this, it's got an acre of land. Who's going to take care of that acre of land? Mm-hmm. What is going on with that acre of land? Since it is near a place that holds football games, are people going to host big parties at your Airbnb? Mm-hmm. Could you be in? Um, could you be making your neighbors really upset? Well, if she's got an acre, then she's got um, a, a big a big plot of land, and they can throw even bigger parties. She can charge more. They're very like <laughs> yeah, your land. Like, you can yes. do what you want, kind of person. <laughs> okay, okay, that's good. There's shooting squirrels in the backyard, so it's well, it's no problem. Yeah, no, we're right over the border <laughs> into the township, let's say, and it changes pretty fast. But because this town is so popular, it's kind of spilling out this direction. So there really is no more land in the town. Everybody has to buy land out here. Um, so that's why we think it's valuable. But I think a lot of those those concerns you have are something to consider. I think you got a great thing here. I would consider. I would sit down and do the exercise and let your math tell you what mm-hmm. it needs to. But I would consider selling the property, harvesting your capital gain, and then buying one or maybe two additional Airbnbs that are perfect mm-hmm. for your strategy. Right? Maybe there are other mm-hmm. properties nearby, even closer, that don't have a yard to maintain and all this other, other, other stuff, and your yield goes up even further with that if you're able to redeploy the equity into that. Just go through the exercise. You may determine, let's keep it um, with that. But that's, that's a big lever in your financial position right now. Yep. Yeah, the other thing is in, within the town, you're not allowed to have Airbnbs in, unless they're part of your house, unless you're living there. So that's another thing. So there's a limitation on how many Airbnbs can be in this town, which is maxed out. And now you have to be living in the house. You can rent part of your property. So it's actually- So if you're one lot. block away from the town, you're not subject to that law and you have- So Correct. I have some loopholes, but yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying. And there's, you know, another thing to think about is the cost of uh, furnishing it. Mm-hmm. I would definitely go after the college clientele and the college decor, which yep. should be actively available in, um, yes. you know, thrift stores and, and, and garage sales in and around, you know, I don't know if you guys have, do you call it hippie Christmas where all the college kids throw all their stuff mm-hmm. away at yes. the end of school? Graduation weekend is one of our favorites. We get yes. lots of new stuff. <laughs> A long, thin table, you know, uh, you're back. You're, yep. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> Beer pong tables. Yep. <laughs> we got it covered. <laughs> Perfect. Um, well, great. And so what, what, let's talk about the, the next, the new property that you guys are buying and your intentions with that one. Is that, is that just going to be a primary residence or is there longer term plans for that? For now. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a little bit of a question mark. Um, I don't like to be locked into places very long. So, I mean, we've gone abroad twice now. If it was up to me, I would probably never settle into one place. But I think for my family, they need stability. So um, I want to get to a neighborhood, but I'm not sure if I want to stay there forever. Um, So our idea was to buy this house, um, renovate it, 
make it, you know, either sellable or rentable, either one. We kind of were open to, to either. Um, live there for the two years and then kind of, you know, either rent it or sell it and then move to the next property um, or abroad or wherever we want to live at that point. Can't argue with a live and flip. Sounds like you've really done your, your work and, and it's mostly cosmetics. You'll be able to move it, move through it really quickly. Mm-hmm. And Mindy, you know, Mindy is, is an example of how profitable that can be. I'm going to change your mind a little bit and say, you only have to live there for one year if you Mm. are going to rent it out. You have to live there for, well, you don't have to live there. You have to live there for two years to get all of the capital gains exclusions um, fully tax-free. But if you're going to rent it out, it doesn't have to be a full two years. It can just be one year. Can you move in and then immediately rent it out for six months while you travel the world that's still your primary residence. Your mail goes there. Um, then come back and spend the next no. six months. Um, does that does that technically meet the requirements of that being your primary residence during that period? I would not say to do this because that sounds a whole lot like mortgage fraud. Um, <laughs> it has to be your intent to live there and... Maybe you could have a roommate, but if you ha- if you rent the entire house out, then you have no place to live, and therefore it isn't your primary residence. Yeah, I'm not. But I'm not. Obviously, we don't want to do anything illegal. I'm just asking the question because I know that some. I, I have friends and family, for example, who live abroad, and they need a U.S. residence because they need to pay taxes in the U.S. and get their mail to the U.S. and stuff. So one of these these individuals literally rents a place um, nearby. Um, to be his house while he is abroad. I don't, but that's not mortgage fraud because he's renting. Fair enough. Yeah, I I don't know the answer to it. Spare bedroom. I, just something to explore. Yeah. <laughs> you might maybe you can yeah, get, maybe can you can have your cake and eat it too, as long as you're traveling or vacationing for a portion of the year and not living uh, in these other places and are there for the most of the year. Yeah. Well, I think she just needs to have a place to come back to. So if she rents the entire house out then she doesn't have a place to come back to. Whereas if she rents one bedroom out, she has a place to come back to. Or if it's prepared for short-term rental. Yeah. Yeah, you can short-term rent your house out. That's just, you happen to not be there, so you're making money while you're gone. That's Mm -hmm. different. Okay. Let's see. Let's Yeah, let's talk about this new house. You have basically cosmetic stuff to do. That's very exciting. Mm Mm-hmm. The big things are done. That's super exciting because A, it's really expensive with inflation and B, you can't find anybody to work on anything. So the fact that you have all the big stuff done, I mean, anybody can install flooring. It's not that hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's mostly floors, walls, the kitchen's dated, but actually everything works in it. So it is usable. Um, it's just we probably want to get, yeah, just facelift so it looks a bit <laughs> bit more updated. But other than that, the uh, the outside's nice. When they did things in this house, they did it high end. Like the windows are are all Anderson windows from seven years ago. There's like no drafts in the house, no creaks in the house. It's pretty unbelievable. And the neighborhood's really nice. So, um, yeah, I think it's I, – I actually am worried we fall in love with it and never, never leave, actually, <laughs> which was not originally the plan. Well, you have to live someplace. If sure. you like where you live, that's great. Yep. But we have an out if we want it, I suppose. I think it's interesting. I know this is a side note, but I think it's interesting that uh, they didn't get any interest on this house. You said there were no pictures up on the MLS. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they went with 
an agent who doesn't offer full service in exchange for a discounted price for the agent agreement and then ended up costing themselves a lot of money because nobody came to see the house. This it, yeah. it sounds like a case of what is it jumping over pen, dollars to save pennies. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms of each credit card issuer apply. Saving for a down payment, a wedding, or just looking for extra money to invest? Monarch Money turns your budgeting woes into wins. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best budgeting app overall. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash pockets. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it easy to manage your money like a pro. Add a partner or family member to your account for no extra cost, so combined finances become a breeze. Customize your budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions, and more. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash pockets. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash pockets for your extended 30-day free trial. Listen up, business owners. Here's some quick math. Fewer costs equals more profit. The problem? You're spending more than ever on operations, materials, deliveries, software, and more. So why not reduce your costs and headaches with NetSuite by Oracle? NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite lives in the cloud, which means you can reduce IT costs with no hardware required. Cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because now you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. It makes sense that over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Don't let rising costs sink your business's growth. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash bpmoney. That's netsuite.com slash bpmoney. NetSuite.com slash BP Money. It's Military Appreciation Month, so I'd like to personally thank all our past guests who have served and all our listeners who are serving, deployed, veterans, or in the reserves. But I'm not the only one showing appreciation. Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate their members who go above and beyond with exclusive rates, discounts, and tools. This month, join Navy Federal and get $50 when you open a credit card. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate 
to see their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. With 24-7 U.S.-based member service and resources for veterans transitioning to civilian life, Navy Federal is here to help you reach your goals. Head to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender. Disclaimer, must join an open membership savings account between May 1st and May 31st. Annual percentage yield 0.25% for membership savings account. $5 minimum balance to open, maintain membership savings account, and to obtain bonus. Visit NavyFederal.org for more terms and conditions. Yeah, I mean, we looked at, we've given offers to other houses, and it's crazy in this area. I mean, it's down to cash offers, no inspection, um, and we've lost multiple other houses that we just weren't willing to waive inspections on old houses. And um, this house, there was another offer, but it was an investor, and they wanted to go to, with a family. So that's going to actually live in the house. Um, but we had the inspection. We didn't waive that. And yeah, we made um, an offer 10% below listing, which apparently uh, the whole realtor office was like shocked and celebrated that this went through. It's the first below offer um, acceptance that they've had in a year. So pretty proud <laughs> that we got it. That's an awesome, awesome story because in this market, yeah, nobody is doing that. Yeah, but it definitely was, I mean, we found a new realtor. So we had a realtor showing us houses that really didn't know anything about investments. And we couldn't really get any good information. And I happened to run into someone at my daughter's preschool who flips houses. And she has like seven rentals in town. And within like her first three houses she showed me, we made two offers on them. So she knew exactly what we were looking for. She kind of knew the houses that had value in them. So it really, finding a good realtor, I think it makes all the difference. Yes. <laughs> if I can give a plug for realtors. Yes, you can. You should. Finding a great one is the key to your investing success, to the key to your purchasing success. You can still find deals in this market. Now, you can't find deals in this market the day they come on the market. This was a leftover property. And it sat there for a while. And the reason that it's out there is because they didn't get a good real estate agent. And that's not your fault. That's yep. their fault. They should have chosen somebody else. That's exactly what happened with the property that we closed today, is that the listing agent um, didn't insist that they clean the house. It was so filthy. Well, I, I think your real estate approach is awesome. You, you've made hundreds of thousands of dollars in your primary residence. You got a great option as an Airbnb that seems pretty well thought out. I do think you should <clears throat> go through the exercise of at least looking to see what it would look like mm -hmm. to sell and redeploy into similar properties, for example, and think about that tax hit, uh, how, that, how that would work over a five or 10 year period, because you may be able to, to get what, what you're looking for there without that. But it may be that the nuances of your house are, are perfect, being just over the township line and enabling you to, mm -hmm. to Airbnb um, and having a, a perfect thing there. So that may be, it may be, that may be great. Mm -hmm. It may be an exception to that where you should keep the house. Your new strategy of live and flip, you can't argue with that. It sounds like you really did a lot of research and found exactly what you're looking for. So I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I think that's, that's awesome. Is there another part of your finances or your strategy um, that you'd like to talk about besides the real estate today? Well, I think, I mean, my strategy before the real estate was just kind of slow and steady, I guess, investing in my retirement, maxing it out as much as I could. We did start the brokerage account because 
I feel like all my money was tied up in retirement that I couldn't access until I was a certain age. Um, but now I don't know how if I just keep that going with my investments or I try to kind of cash flow all these renovations as quick as I can and kind of, you know, I guess scale back on the investment piece. So I guess how do I balance the retirement accounts, the after, you know, tax brokerage account, 529s, like all these other things we invest in with the real estate piece now? Right. I think I think if you're going to have a rental property, the vacancy is going to kill you um, from it. So I think I think you make sure that you can move into your property, the new one, and mm-hmm. that your current one is able to be rented out. And that's the first priority because you're going to be losing 3,500 a month or whatever your gross rent is every month mm-hmm. that that place is vacant. So you have no choice there. You, that has to be your, I think your top okay. financial yeah. priority. Once that's done, um, I think you have, it sounds like the luxury of going right down the stack of maxing out your 401k, maxing out your HSA, um, maybe contributing to other retirement accounts. Um, your husband has a business, so there are options to really sock away a lot of money in um, pre-tax retirement accounts, like a self-directed IRA. Um, mm-hmm. So I think I think those are those are all options to you. But I would also observe that the bulk of your position is currently in retirement accounts, and then ho- currently primary home equity, soon to be rental home equity. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. you're not able to really access any of that except for the 250 in your house, which is why I think there's a big decision there for you to sit down and do that analysis. Um, Mm -hmm. so I I think it's a matter of, of what you want. Um, generally speaking, we hear people in a situation similar to yours that parallels yours saying, I want more flexibility, um, in a general sense. And if you want that, then you're going to have to make trade-offs, um, by not putting quite as much into the retirement accounts as you are capable of right now, paying taxes now, in having and, and generating the liquidity with that. Yeah, I mean, that's was my worry is because I've been working in corporate jobs since a long time. It feels like 20 years and, uh, you know, since I was 20. Um, and it's exhausting and I work pretty crazy hours. And eventually I would like to have the flexibility that if I don't want to work something as intense as I am today, I can do that. Whether that's scaling back and doing part-time or consulting or, you know, something more entrepreneurial, um, I want to have that option. And so that's why I kind of wanted to diversify and have this rental income as well, that I can access some of the money now instead of waiting till I'm 59 and a half. Yeah. I I think, I think you have to look at it and say, okay, let's say five years from now, where do I want to be? You're, you're going to generate mm-hmm. probably a hundred thousand dollars in investable income after your expenses over the next per year, over the next couple of years. Right. Right mm-hmm. now, huge percentages of that are going to go into your 401k Roth IRA, your rollover IRA, all, all of those different types mm-hmm. of things. And mm-hmm. it looks like maybe like, I don't know, 40 or 50 is going to go into your after-tax stuff. So that's going to give you yeah 250 mm-hmm. in cash. That you'll build. So by that point, you'll have six hundred thousand, seven hundred thousand dollars in assets outside of your retirement accounts in real estate and investments if things compound and go reasonably well, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think that yep. that's flexibility in your situation. Like I don't think I don't think you're going to feel comfortable. Like eh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop working now um, with that based on <sighs> your spending with that. So I think you should back mm-hmm. into that and say what would flexibility look like to me in five years. Right? Mm-hmm. Is it a million in in after tax investments? Is it a million and a half? Is it whatever? What does that look like? And am I, is my position backing me into that? 
Um, and, I, and I think that will involve hard trade-offs about how much you contribute to retirement accounts versus how much you put into real estate versus how much you put into after-tax brokerage versus how much you put into mm -hmm. cash. Um, because you have plenty of income, but you just can't go quite all the way down the stack um, and max out mm -hmm. everything in your pre-tax returns and then have so mm -hmm. much left over that you can still have financial freedom yeah. um, outside of those right now. Okay, so I have a little exercise uh, based on your 401k only. The rule of 72 says that essentially your investments will double every 10 year, every eight years. This is a rule of thumb. It's not guaranteed. It's not set in stone. Past performance is not indicative of future gains. All the you know disclaimers abound. But in 2022, your balance is $440,000. In 2030, your balance will be roughly $880,000. In 2038, your balance will be roughly $1,760,000. In 2046, your balance will be $3,520,000. And in 2054, in 30, what, 32 years, your balance will be $7 million, roughly. Mm -hmm. In your 401k, assuming you don't put any more into it, assuming the same returns that we've seen historically. That's a lot of money. Now you're getting into RMD territory. That's just if you don't put anything else in there. Do you have a company match? Yes. A very good I one. would <laughs> I would continue to put in if I was in your position, I would continue to put in to get the entire company match. Mm -hmm. And if that is you have to contribute over the course of the year, I would stagger it out over the course of the year. Um because you want to invest in real estate, I might pull back a little bit in the 401k so that I could invest in real estate as well. Um, I don't think that you are set in stone in your 401k. I would still, I mean, personally, I would continue to invest all, I'm still maxing out my 401k. Um, uh, did we ask how old you are? I don't think we asked. I'm how old 40. You are. 40. Okay. So I'm 50 and I'm still maxing out my mm -hmm. 401k just because there are ways to get to it before you are 55 or 65, um, the mad scientist has a really great article about accessing your retirement funds early. I'll link to that in the show notes and I'll email it to you when we're finished here. But um, there's lots of ways to access your retirement funds. Uh, the Roth conversion ladder, the uh, 72T is at the separate but equal payments. Um, there's He's got three or four different uh, options, including just taking it out early and paying the penalty. I, I just still like that original house as a Airbnb with all of the stipulations that you have. It is so close. There aren't a lot of competition. So you would have a lot of demand for it. Um, I think that perhaps your husband's uh, ideas that $3,500 is the income is maybe a little bit low. Um, always better to run the numbers with conservative because mm -hmm. if he's right, great. It's, it's so cash flows. If he's wrong and he's bringing in more money, well, oh, shucks, I brought in more money than I thought I was going to. Like, who's going to say no to that? Oh, no, don't pay me because that's too much for this month. Mm -hmm. um, so I think there's a lot of great options, um, but it comes down to, uh, we've recorded a couple of shows this week and we, we've been using a, a fun little P word, a fun little four letter word, word called plan. 
So I think it takes some time to sit down and talk about your financial plan. What is it that you want? When do you want to retire? When do you and your husband want to retire? Is it in five years? How much money do you want to have in Mm-hmm. whatever time, let's call it five years, how much money do you want to have in five years, then you can step it back and say, okay, so in five years, we want this, then we have to step back to these are the money moves that we need to make now or mm-hmm. 10 years or 20 years or whatever it is. Um, but sitting down and having a plan will help. And it, you know, it's it's not a five minute plan. It's not a come up with it in, in five minutes sort of thing. It's it's not even a one day plan. Just, you know, start having the discussion with him. What are you thinking about? What am I thinking about? Let's get on the same page. Let's figure out how to work backwards from that and mm-hmm. then move forward towards that goal and continue thinking about it, continue, mm-hmm. you know, fine tuning it and, and honing it depending on, you know, because sometimes the stock market's going to be down 15% in one quarter. Yeah, it's rough looking at my accounts. Real estate looks Don't good, look though. at them. <laughs> I try not to, but it's been bad. Yes, I hear you. I hear you. I've uh I just don't look at them. But I hear all these people talking about, "Oh, it's down, it's down." I'm like, "Well, I'm not I'm not investing for tomorrow morning, so I don't need to look at them right now." What well, what else can we help you with today? Uh, no, I think I, it's kind of this whole planning piece. Um, you know, I think we were just overloaded in retirement accounts, at least in my opinion, and I felt like we couldn't access them. So I feel good that we're moving more towards the real estate piece. Um, I guess just planning, you know, the next five years, 10 years, 15 years. I mean, we always said 15 years we would try to retire. Um, both of our, all of our parents are like in their 65, 66, and still working full time with no real intent to retire. And we don't really want to do that. Um, We really want to, like when we're 55, be able to scale back. I mean, our kids will be in college. Like we have lived abroad twice. I want to like continue to live abroad and this time get to enjoy it instead of working the whole time. Um, So, I mean, it's just kind of he I think my husband wants to make sure we enjoy today and I'm like just shoot and do what we need to do to prepare for 55 so we can really completely be financially free and do what we want to do so it's just kind of balancing those two things I think and how to do that yeah I I think Mindy's advice is spot on put together a plan say here's I want to be in three years here's I want to be in five years here's I want to be in 10 here's I want to be in 15 what is it? What here's a portfolio that's a, is supportive of that, and my current path is pushing me here. What adjustments do I need to make to get to exactly where I want to be? Backing into that portfolio. Let's say it's two and a half million mm-hmm. bucks in twelve and a half in, in t- twelve years um, to cut three years off of your fifteen. Mm-hmm. Right? What's that? What's that portfolio <laughs> mm-hmm. look like? Right? Um, probably I'm going to be mostly in retirement accounts if that if that, if that's the mm-hmm. case, right? Because um, I, you're going to be close to that 59 and a half age age point. You only need mm-hmm. to bridge it for a handful of years, less than a decade. So you can go heavy into retirement accounts if that's going to be if mm-hmm. that's the plan and, and continue doing that as long as you're putting you know 30, 40, 50 percent of that cash flow into your um, you know, outside after-tax brokerage accounts, real estate, those types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you'll probably be able to make it or have, and have, a, have a, a strong cash position. Mm-hmm. So um, if it was five years, we need to really shift that though. And we need to really pull it out yeah. of the retirement accounts and into um, stuff that you can access right now. But it's all about what, what that plan looks like. 
Yeah, I can't get my head around five years, I guess. <laughs> Coming from family that, like, don't think, like, vacation days or anything, like, they've never taken them, like, they're going to, like, die working, 55 to me seems, like, very You can make early. a step change, funk change in your in your finances in five years with, with uh, intent and grind, especially with your income. Um, yeah, so, true. And, and but, like, I, I could see a situation, how's this for five years, right? You, you are going to generate $500,000 in investable liquidity from your job, and, and income mm-hmm. uh, and, and the spread there. Yep. And your husband is just starting a business, right? Probably your your idea is that that business is not going to be terrible and generate very little income for the next three to five years. No. You're probably like starting it's it because you think well. it will do something positive <laughs> over, yeah. over time. Yep. So, okay, I'm, I'm sitting here mm-hmm. in five years. I've generated $500,000 in investable liquidity, bought a couple of rental mm-hmm. properties and some after-tax stocks, continue to get to take the match in the 401k. Um, now my net, net worth is sitting from 800. It's at 1.3 million. Plus mm-hmm. I get the, whatever the, whatever I'm adding to the pile from the business. Right. And, and at that, that things may look very different from a five-year perspective. If you're intentional about this as a goal, um, mm-hmm. from that point in time. That's true. It seems aggressive, but I think we could probably do it. Um, it's just, yeah, I don't, I, I've been working so long. I don't know what it looks like to even think about not working in five years, but. Well, that's, that's our job is to, to do that. F- five years, I think is a really reasonable amount of time in a situation like yours or someone who's willing to make big changes to get that, like a step function change in your situation. Mm-hmm. Is it enough to go from zero to multimillionaire retiree? No, but mm-hmm. it's definitely enough yeah. to go from zero to maybe a few hundred thousand in net worth for somebody or from a few hundred thousand to well over a million, uh, in your case with substantial actual passive cash flow, if you're intentional about it and that's your plan. Intentional and plan. I like those two words, Scott. Okay, Jill. Well, this was a lot of fun. I really appreciate your time today. I'm super excited for pictures of your house. Please send them to me. Your live in flip. Um, and hit me up with any questions you have about it because it can be super fun. And every once in a while, you will hit a brick wall and be like, oh, what am I getting myself into? Mm-hmm. So if you need words of encouragement, reach out because I have them. It's not it's it's not always pretty, but it's really fun cashing those big checks when you sell it. Have you seen shag carpets that have rakes in the rooms that you have to rake the carpet? I usually <laughs> rip those out That's, the day I, I close. good shape, but it was funny. I was like, why is there a rake? And the realtor's like, yeah, that's what the, how you don't vacuum shag. You rake it. <laughs> So, oh, so it's going to yeah, be an experience. You, when you pull it out, have a mask on because, like, a one of those big, like, breather masks mm-hmm. because all the garbage that they didn't rake, didn't vacuum up, will be there. <laughs> Good to know. Gross. See, learning already. It smells like money. Uh, <laughs> yuck. <laughs> okay, Jill. <laughs> we will talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Scott, that was Jill. That was a lot of fun. I really, really enjoyed your take on where she's going. And I just always get something out of these episodes. I had a lot of fun with her today. Yeah, I I, I think it was a a good discussion. Um, I think that she's made a lot of really smart decisions. It sounds like they've really come into a really good income situation. I'm excited to see how her husband's business um, takes off. I'm excited to see what they decide with the primary residence um, that they currently have, what they're going to do with that. And I'm excited to see how their new live and flip goes. So, I mean, they're doing all the right things and I think they're going to have, I think they're going to get uh, build wealth a lot faster than they, than they think over the next three to five years. I agree. I think they have a lot of things in 
like going in their favor. And number one is that they don't have debt and they have a great income. They spend less than they earn. Um, she is, she has an impressive income and then she has things being taken out of her income, out of her check before she even sees it. I love that tip. That tip right at the very beginning of the show. Love that. Talk to your HR department and see what you can get taken out of your paycheck and see if there's a discount for that, having that done. Yeah. By the way, let's call something out here. She, she just finished kind of paying off a lot of debt, has put everything into retirement accounts to this point and has the home home equity. This is really an inflection point um, for Jill where she has, has created a really good situation and has a lot of, you know, the ability to invest on a go forward basis. And I think that, um, she's like, what are you talking about five years from now? I'm going to have a really good outcome here or have a lot of option optionality. Well, I, I think that's right. I think you, you can't count on it, but you can say, looking back at stock market returns over the last 150 years, the, the compound annual growth rate is close to 10%. It's a little, little less than 10%, right? So you say, okay, I got 800 grand, right? I'm going to save up a hundred grand a year for investable liquidity, and I'm going to make a 10% return. So that's 180 grand in wealth building going on every year with the hundred that I'm building compounding, right? Now, then that's going to go up and then I'm going to increase my wealth by another 18 grand on top of that 180. So just under 200 grand um, the next year, and then 220 and then 240 and so on and so forth. And that compounding, and again, that's, that's going to happen in an average long-term environment. It may not happen next year. The next five years might be terrible. But why would you build your model on something that is drastically different from the long-term averages and plan for what you think is a reasonable set of events to, to, to happen downstream? And if you're used to having a huge debt burden, the opposite effect is taking place. You're getting interest is accruing against you and you're pushing the ball up the hill or the rock up the mountain. And then when you get on the other side and you start investing, it's starting to roll down the mountain um, from that. And I think that's what a lot of people can maybe take away from this is, yeah, it sounds crazy, but once you're out of debt and beginning the investment process and thinking through it really intelligently, I think you have a really good shot at compounding those gains and snowballing over a fairly, and you should bake that into your plan, right? Because what's at stake here is prime years of your life doing what you want to do. So that's the consequence of getting this right, right? There's a consequence to being too aggressive and running out of money and creating a problem. There's also a consequence to not being realistic and being way too conservative and not doing the things you want to do um, earlier in life when you want to do them. I could not have said it better, Scott. Absolutely 100% agree. The cost of, uh, what is the opportunity cost of not being able to do the things that you want to do because you're busy paying off debt. It just goes back to that spend less than you earn, invest wisely, earn more. There's a lot of things that you can do to game the system just by being intelligent and being conscious with your spending. Okay, Scott, should we get out of here? Let's do it. From episode 310 of the Bigger Pockets Money podcast, he is Scott Trench, and I am Mindy Jensen saying, give me a hug, ladybug. It's 
Military Appreciation Month, so I'd like to personally thank all our past guests who have served and all our listeners who are serving, deployed, veterans, or in the reserves. But I'm not the only one showing appreciation. Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate their members who go above and beyond with exclusive rates, discounts, and tools. This month, join Navy Federal and get $50 when you open a credit card. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate to see their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. With 24-7 U.S.-based member service and resources for veterans transitioning to civilian life, Navy Federal is here to help you reach your goals. Head to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. Disclaimer, must join an open membership savings account between May 1st and May 31st. Annual percentage yield 0.25% for membership savings account. $5 minimum balance to open, maintain membership savings account, and to obtain bonus. Visit NavyFederal.org for more terms and conditions. 